What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Cut. Sean, Randy, Christian here for all of your mediocre fantasy football advice. Uh, we are moving through. It's uh, almost the end of June. We're starting to get into July here very soon, which means we're going to be starting to get into redraft, which is I don't think I'm mentally prepared for that yet. I'm with you, man. I'm I'm definitely in dynasty mode. We know Randy is too from his last mock draft on here when he had like 25 rookies on a 16 <laughs> roster. If anybody, if anybody's in dynasty mode, it's me. That's I awesome. still have four dynasty drafts going right now as we speak. That's nuts. Yeah, dude. Uh, screw that. <laughs> hey, you guys have been putting your input, which I appreciate. I can't we do try. this all my. I can't do this all myself. Uh, the one is that 14 team league that I got the 10th spot, which freaking sucks. But I think taking Murray was a fair choice there, especially in a 10 and 14 team super flex. That's going to get nuts very soon. I bet there's going to be teams that aren't even going to be starting quarterbacks as their second, as their super flex. They won't be able to. <laughs> That's true. No, 14 times two is 28. I understand that. But if you're smart, you don't just have two. <laughs> That's why I remember we tried uh, like a while back. Uh, my friends tried to get together a twelve-team, two-quarterback league. I'm like, bro, this sucks. I'm like, we can't do this because no one, not everybody, can have three QBs because it adds up to thirty-six. I'm like, the math doesn't work, people. What are we missing here? This is how we live. Because you I can't twelve-team, two QB. Well, no, but that's the thing. Like, you can't do like super flex and two QBs are completely different. Obviously, very true. So, like, you can't do a 12-team full-on 2QB. Like, you can do a 10-team 2QB like we do in, for the AFL, but you can't do that for 12 teams. That's, yeah. That's it's in yeah. lineups. Yeah. All right, we're getting off track here. So, what's up? What's going on? Uh, thanks for joining us again. Um, we had a poll out there. Uh, we Our weekly poll this time, uh, we focused on another Los Angeles Ram, but this time the tight end position. Uh, the question was, will Tyler Higby finish his tight end eight or better in 2020? 70% said no. Only 30% said yes. I agree with this statement. Yep. And same. And he's so, still being drafted as tight end eight. Yes, yeah, that's, that's crazy. But also, like you guys mentioned, off air, smaller sample size, I think the consensus is closer to that tight end eight, but Apparently, our followers are enlightened. Yes, Shout out to our followers. <laughs> yeah. Because they listen to us. Hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, if, if what's funny is if you dive into the statistics, Gerald Everett, like, people just seem to be forgetting about him. Um, but he's going to take a lot away from Higby. I think a lot of people are just saying, like, oh, well, um, it's just Woods and Cup this year. There's no more Cooks. So, like, someone else has to get – it's like, no, it doesn't work like that, especially when you have two young, younger tight ends that both are pretty talented. Like, it's you're going to be in for a rude awakening if you're taking Tyler Higby that high, obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I'm sure we'll get into that much more later. Uh, so we have our favorite segment of the podcast, Randy's yeah. Review Readings. We got to think – I think we have to think of a more clever name for that, but we'll come up with something. I mean, definitely the, I'm definitely digging hard. the tr- – I'm definitely tr- digging the triple R's because exactly. Randy Randy is kind of a uncommon name. So we're, we're going to have to think of something more clever. But um, Randy, we got another one today. Okay. We call it triple R. Just call <laughs> it triple R. Oh, we're good with Jordan. We'll figure that out. You know, whatever. <laughs> All right. The title is Great Podcast About Fantasy Football. And the author is The Beeve 1211. 
review was fun and informative facts and stats and fantasy football. These guys really feed off each other. Don't sleep on this podcast. Very impressed. Uh, we really appreciate you reaching out and leaving a review for us. Hopefully we can continue to get more of these and hopefully that builds this potential listener league up and up too. <laughs> also, Christian, you know what I just realized? Hmm. Why do we have like the most uncheerful guy of the three of us read these? What? I think he's oh, cheerful. Let's, let's, come on, Randy. First of all, I'm definitely the most cheerful of this group. <laughs> um, I, I don't tend to be because, serious at times. Because Randy and Review are yeah. um, alliterative or whatever. Yeah, plus I'm, you have your strange, like, weird <laughs> things you say, Sean, and Christian has his wacky hot takes that are always wrong. So it's kind of Randy, my they're thing. Called puns. They're not just weird random things I say. They're called punts. See, I... I feel like they're, mine's better. They're called bad dad jokes, bro. Yeah, yeah but they're funny. That's Modern why people better. tune in. Fair. Whatever, yeah, I mean, dude. We could do, I mean, like, Christian's cool, be- like, <laughs> like, Christian's cool, like, I don't know. You Like, that other, that extra word. Like, I, it don't, I don't want to do three C's like that. Let's just keep it to Triple the three C. R's and just let it go. I, I can be more <laughs> zany and cartoony. It just won't be real to me as a person. That's true. Yeah. Stick to Sean, the brand, Randy. Sean, super statements. Like, that doesn't sound great. Actually, that one sounded kind of good. That one no, I, good. I agree with your first statement. Didn't sound great <laughs> at all. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> all right. So, uh, what we're going to do is we are going to get in the second half of our running back rankings um, in this episode. But before we do that, Randy and I had the pleasure of bringing on Sigmund Bloom, who is a co-owner of footballguys.com, and he, ho- he hosts his own podcast. Um, he is very big when it comes to the fantasy football community. It was awesome having him on. So, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and we will play that for you guys. And then, uh, we'll bring you back and we'll get into our uh, part two of our running back rankings. I have Sean, I have Randy, and we have a very special guest today. We have Sigmund Bloom from from footballguys.com. We're really excited to have him. This is, this is one of our, uh, initial uh interview episodes we're we're very excited i may sound a little bit nervous here um but i'm gonna i'm gonna push through it anyway um mr bloom how you doing sir it's great to have you on good nothing to be nervous about i remember the first radio spots i ever did were i think in waterloo iowa and i was so nervous so nervous i don't even know if more than seven people were listening uh but yeah it's great look this is our sandbox this is our world we're thinking about football 365 when we're falling asleep when we're waking up and it's always a joy to get to talk to anybody who has that same sickness no absolutely and i would argue i would definitely argue that it's a sickness especially randy could probably say that i'm probably the sickest when it comes to fantasy (laughs) football Um, the three you do the most but then you, I do. You did call me you know, a Christian sick during draft season when we did way too much for that as well. So that is true. But you know what, Sigmund? That brings me to my first question before we get started here. Yeah. Any any given year, how many leagues would you say you're in? The leagues that I have to manage, like 14, 15, 16, it has taken experience. So this is how you know that you're. Every time I think of football sickness, I think of. My man, Ryan Burns, that's his handle on Twitter. Anyway, if you have to go beyond, like we don't learn our limits until we go past our limits, right? How else do you know where the limit is? So if you have taken on so many leagues 
that at some point in the season you realize, oh, I can't even do all of the waiver claims. I forgot to set a lineup in this league last week. I forgot to set up lineup in this league two weeks ago. I didn't even see this trade offer was out there for me. That's how you know where the limit is. So I've had to do that uh, because I wish I could play in every league that I get invited to because it's fun because we Mm -hmm. make connections to competition. We enjoy each other's insights and trash talk and everything. 14-16 is about where I've leveled off that that's the most I can manage with everything else. However, best ball drafts have given us the fix of drafting and the outcome of whether you win or lose without having to manage them. So I appreciate that. That's the one thing I haven't done yet. I, I'm looking. I, I I might possibly very well could get into it this year. But see, Randy, I'm not crazy. I I'm not the one that called you crazy. <laughs> that is true. It's more Christian, but that's beside I, the yeah, point. I understand how many people do. Just not what I, mean, I not what I think I can do. Just like you said. That, no, that's fair. I I get it. But um, so like I said, uh, uh we have Sigmund Bloom with us. He is the uh, co-owner of FootballGuys.com. He's a co-host of the Audible which is uh, the podcast that you guys run, correct, Sigmund? Yeah, and uh, we just added a Dynasty show that Jordan McNamara and Chad Parsons are doing. We have the DFS wing. You know, it just it's fun that there's so many outlets. Now, I do an IDP show. We do eight episodes a week during the season, I think. Um, it's it's just we enjoy doing it, just like coming on this show with y'all you know, yeah. now. Like, this is just something we enjoy doing that we would seek out even if it wasn't broadcasting out to the world right absolutely and uh yeah because we're we do about we're two episodes a week right now we get into we get three into it when the season goes on christian and randy do their own uh, dfs podcast that's kind of something i stay away from because i I think it's i think it's good to kind of have just those two going at it sometimes Mm. i I think it's good to kind of do some variation but that'll uh let's go ahead and get started here my first question for you Mm -hmm. is uh so how did you get your start in the fantasy industry and, and like what ultimately drew you to fantasy football as kind of a career choice for you? So, so that I don't go on for too long because I can't tell a story without telling <laughs> stories to add to the story. Um, I you know, Growing up, I, I was uh, outside of Pittsburgh. I Steelers and sports in general. I mean, I was obsessed with sports. I would keep my own score of Pirates games I would listen to on the radio at night, you know, um, the penguins uh all sports really i watched the olympics i i love the, the i think the first world cup i got into was 1990 i wanted to be the play-by-play announcer for the pirates uh and i went to syracuse university for broadcast journalism and quickly realized that maybe broadcast journalism was not the profession for me <laughs> my life took this circuitous route um but i ended up in an office job at the university of texas in 2000 doing I was a systems analyst doing software development for them. And eventually, and I apologize to any of my bosses that might be listening right now, <laughs> I ended up spending more time managing my fantasy teams than I did doing my work. And at that point, I just thought, why, why don't I try to make this what I do for work? It was something that was a more ludicrous idea then than it is now when it's an industry. Um, but I just took that leap um, football guys had a program, you know, before we had all this spiffy stuff, you used to, the newswire, you'd scan RSS feeds for stories and, and manually enter them and comment on them for the newswire. I think it paid back then like $5 an hour, it's like $5 an hour to read football stories. I would, I would pay probably $5 to read these feeds every week, you know? Um, 
And that was how I got my foot in the door at Football Guys. And then the other thing was their message board. And before Twitter, the Football Guys message board, the Shark Pool, was the place to go for people that parsed every word of a coach statement, right? People that would be going to training camp and reporting on every play, like making a thread on the message board saying, oh, they're lining up this receiver in the slot. Like we take this for granted now that we get. I can't imagine. Right. I can't imagine what it went, what it was like before Twitter. So, so this was the place for serious football talk. And if you could prove yourself, and the mess that you know, if one of the staff members, guys that are still with the site now, like you know Joe and David, Joe Bryant, David Dodds, but also Jason Wood and Bob Henry and John Norton and so on, if they popped up into a thread where you were commenting on something and they said that's a good point, or they had even noticed what you did, that was oh wow, yeah, and like right. being nervous, like Jason Wood just commented on what I wrote. Uh, so it, in some ways I knew that if I was good enough to hang there in the football guys message board, then I, I could work uh, writing about football. And I feel like the earth has kind of risen to meet my footsteps as this has become an industry and it's become something that so many people are interested in. I just feel lucky that I decided to do it, but I was a fool that I decided to do it before <laughs> it was clear that it could be a job because I think that's what I'm coasting on now because there's so many talented people coming in with so many perspectives, you know, all the data visualization and analytics and the depth of research that people put in, you know, if that was the standard when I was starting. I don't know if I would have made it. And that, no. And that I totally get that. And like, just through everybody on Twitter and everything like that, like it, it seems like fantasy football, like it's a family, like you guys yeah. seem to know everybody everybody appreciates the work that everybody else does. It, it's pretty, it's pretty nuts. Just how, uh, uh, for something so arbitrary. So just so <laughs> that we just have numbers that just get right. added up how, how big you can get and like how cool it is. And like, that's what I think a lot of people that aren't necessarily into fantasy don't understand is like, it's not just, it's not just you're watching, you're watching football games just to see, did my guy score? But it's like, this is a whole some, this is something that takes up multiple months of the year, and it's something that keeps you invested every week. It keeps you, like you said, you're trash talking with other people. You're you're uh, ridiculously invested, and in, like I think that's what it, it, it draws fantasy football to me so much. Well, and people keep in touch through it too, right? Exactly. Like you hear about like high school classmates or college classmates or people that all work together someplace when they were young and they keep their fantasy league together and it's a way that they stay in touch with each other uh and i I think it's still mostly about the connections we make to each other and just how like watching a football game by yourself is one thing but watching it with your friends is better and watching it with all of your friends on twitter you know like watching it with all of these people and and reacting to things in real time i mean it right and it you know like validate your existence and it also we're all we all have brains that are like pop 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 pop, pop like <laughs> you know and it, it's exciting to talk to anybody and i don't care what it is you're into right like if you're an amateur meteorologist and you meet somebody who's really into storm tracking or you're a bird watcher and you meet people that like whatever it is that excites you and makes you excited to be alive to meet other people that are that into it is it's like a revelation and again like 30 40 years ago before the internet, before social media and things like that, you, maybe there was like a newsletter you signed up for 
or you, you all might not be old enough to remember something called zines, <laughs> you know, like homemade magazines for like the punk scene in Portland <laughs> or something like that. Um, and it's just so easy now to find people that are really into whatever you're into. And that's part of what I think made fantasy football take off because we, it's like our little shelter, you know, when we're managing our teams and talking about football, whatever's going on in the rest of our lives pauses and feels like everything's okay. And I think now more than ever, we need that. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it is, especially, yeah, especially with everything going on this year, um, it, it's just it's it's so nice to be doing drafts, to be looking at fancy stuff because it, it makes it feel like there's an end in sight to all this. That eventually the world's going to get back to normal. We're going, their sports are going to be going to normal. So, um, but I uh, let's get into some actual let's get into some actual fancy talk sure. now. Um, in your in your post draft bloom one hundred article back in April, you had CD Lamb ranked two behind mm-hmm. only Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Have you moved off that stance at all given the landing spots? Or are you a firm believer in CD Lamb's talent over outweighing the perceived opportunity of maybe say like a Henry Ruggs, who right. you could argue has a better opportunity in Oakland? Yeah, I I think that uh Lamb should be the first wide receiver off the board. I'm not gonna argue with people that take Jonathan Taylor over him or J.K. Dobbins over him. Maybe I might argue if you're taking Akers or Swift over him. It comes down more to evaluation. But look, uh, Dak Prescott's going to throw... He almost threw for 5,000 yards last year. He's probably going to throw for 5,000 yards this year. Um, Amari Cooper was banged up in the second half. I was just doing this yesterday. Um, I did I wrote up something yesterday on like players outside the top 50 that could end up being league winners. And in the second half of the year, if you prorate, now, Mari Cooper was banged up, so he wasn't at full speed, but he still got something like 62 targets in the second half of the year. So it wasn't like he wasn't involved in the offense. He just mm-hmm. wasn't as effective on his targets. But in that second half of the year, if you prorate those numbers over, if you, I'm sorry, if you project them over a year, Randall Cobb would have had 1,000 yards, 1,008 or something like that, or 1,100, I'm sorry. And um, Michael Gallup would have had over 1,300 yards. And Cooper still almost had 500 receiving yards in the second half of the year. So it's very easy. What was the last offense? Was it Warner with Bolden, Fitzgerald, and Breston, I think? Three 1,000-yard receivers is not out of the question at all in this yeah. offense because you also are going to have defenses mostly concerned with Ezekiel Elliott, right? I mean, it isn't yeah. like defenses are going to start playing six in the box and and you know having three safeties on the field. Uh, or either way, if they start doing that, then it's going to be great to have Zeke. This is an offense that's going to create overachievers. And if you look at the ADP of uh, uh, Gallup's going in the 6th, 7th round, Lamb's going in the ninth, 10th round, Blake Jarwin is another name we should toss out there, or even Jack Prescott. You know, It's in his range of outcomes to be the number one fantasy quarterback. So I don't see Lamb landing in Dallas as a negative because – He's going to be in one of the most productive pass offenses in the league. He's going to often dodge the number one corner because of Amari Cooper, and he's going to be playing against stressed-out defenses, right? So you mentioned Henry Ruggs, and Ruggs is an interesting case because he has a lot of really good surroundings, but the quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the- Derek Carr, Marcus yeah, Mariota. Randy is a uh, Randy is actually a Raiders fan, so well, yeah. you don't have to you don't have to I, tell I know, him. I know the limits, though, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so you know we'll see. I think that John Gruden has a plan for him. Um, I want to find out a little bit more about what happened to him on that moving truck or whatever was mm-hmm. going on with that. Where he got um, but, in, yeah, right? so I think we overrate a little bit immediate opportunity in Dynasty, and we don't properly weight the stability and quality of the situation. 
you know, because that's one of the other things. I think T. Higgins is another guy that stands out among rookies this year where, hey, I can project the next three, four, five years and know what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. And you and you can't say that for Ruggs. You can't say that for LaVisca Chenault. You can't necessarily say that for Michael Pittman. You know, so that's something that I'm looking more long term when I'm putting those rankings together. No, absolutely. Um, and so would you uh, just really quick before we get to our next question, would yeah. you like are you trying to scoop up all the shares of Michael Gallup as well as CeeDee Lamb? Or are you kind of more on the Lamb side? Well, in redraft, Lamb's going to go after Gallup. I mean, I look, I think that you don't have to do an either or, right? I mean, if somebody mm-hmm. said I drafted Gallup and Lamb and Jarwin, wherever he's going now, it's going to continue to go up. I think as people are starting to yeah. put, put the piece together and say, wow, Jarwin was making explosive plays and looked pretty good last year in a limited role and a larger role this year. What's he going to look like? Um, so I don't think that's crazy at all. You know, I'll have people ask me, like, if I took this player early from this team, should I avoid taking another player from that team early? No, because we mm-hmm. often see, again, you know, if the pie gets bigger for the whole offense, then the pieces get bigger. So even if it's a smaller right. percentage, a bigger pie can. And we often also see, like, in hindsight, the overachievers come out of just a few offenses, right? Like last year it was Lamar Jackson, uh, Mark Andrews, Mark Ingram, you know, these guys all outproduced what we expected from them. Even Marquise Brown to an extent. Yeah, even though he was banged up for most of the year. Exactly. So I I think the idea is that if the offense overachieves and the Dallas could be a perfect storm this year, then you want to have as many players as possible from that offense. Right. Yeah. And it's, you're not going to go in the end of the season with the same team you had after draft. So (laughs) not even close. (laughs) Well, not if you play it right, I guess I should say. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. But uh, all right, Randy, uh, yeah. Sigmund brought up Michael Pittman, and I know Christian wants us yeah. to ask this question. So <laughs> He begged us to ask this one because uh, he's the newfound love for Pittman this year, and mm-hmm. you dropped him after the draft from 10th to 11th. So not really. It's just a little bit landing spot. Uh, I would assume partly due to the QB situation. What do you think his ceiling is uh, this year and in the future, obviously, but – and have you fell in off love for him or you jumped on the bandwagon again as we get towards the actual season? Yeah, I don't, I think I'm trying to think of who I moved ahead of him that it might have been um, Denzel Mims or maybe mm-hmm. Mims was ahead of him already, or, or maybe Jalen Rager. I think it was Jalen Rager. Yeah. I don't remember exactly, but look, Pittman's outlook didn't change greatly. And the good thing about Pittman is he is going to get that immediate opportunity to show out. He is going to get to play with Phillip Rivers this year. He is going to be the outside receiver number two. And I don't know how great that role is going to be for fantasy simply because I think this is still going to be a run first offense, uh, even though they did take Pittman ahead of Taylor. So that was interesting because the Colts, I think really wanted to come away with Pittman and Taylor. And they said, if we can only get one, we want to make sure we get Pittman. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have Pittman, you have Hilton, you have Paris Campbell, who they took in the second round last year. You have Jack Doyle. Remember, they signed Trey Burton after. I still like Mo Alley Cox. Remember, they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Naeem Hines, who could have a much larger role this year with Phillip Rivers uh, in light of what Rivers did with Austin Eckler. But then you also have Jonathan Taylor, and you have a great offensive line. And you have this downhill gap running game that is perfect for Jonathan Taylor. Yep. It's like just like with Derrick Henry, like see, run real hard that direction and good luck tackling this guy. And if he gets past you, he's he gone. Um, I think that 
they're going to give Philip Rivers more of a directive to take care of the ball, limit turnovers. They have a good defense. Remember, they traded for DeForest Buckner to you. The Colts yeah. are a real exciting team this yeah. year. Yeah, um, So Pittman, I think, is going to be modest in terms of upside this year, uh, assuming T.Y. Hilton can stay healthy. Um, and then long term, you have to ask, well, who's going to be the quarterback for the Colts next year? Who's going to be the right. quarterback for the Colts after that? Um, so I, I just, but from a pure upside perspective, what you like about Pittman is he's big and he's strong and he's fast enough. Remember, when we're talking about these six four receivers, two twenty, they don't need to be four four guys. If they are, then you get like you know AJ Green and, and Julio Jones. But four five when he was right. You know, yeah. Calvin Johnson, yeah. you know, but he's fast enough to be a downfield threat and he can win at the catch point. But he was one of the most polished rookie receivers in this class, along with, yeah. of course, Judy and Lamb and I, I think Justin Jefferson. But usually a big receiver, because you see people compare him to like Vincent Jackson. Vincent Jackson was so raw, even Kenny Galladay, mm-hmm. so raw when they came into the league. And I would say that even Kenny Galladay at this point in his career is not as good of a route runner as Michael Pittman is right now. Right. So Pittman can create separation. Pittman can run shorter routes, can break off the stem. And he's a, he's got good footwork and flexibility for a big receiver. But he can also be that bully with good enough speed to win at the catch point. Um, so he's an exciting player. I'm just not sure if the Colts two or three years from now are going to be a place again where fantasy receivers overachieve depending on the model for the offense and who the quarterback is. How fun would it be? If Jameis Winston ended up signing with Indianapolis after yeah after this offseason. like was, I think to me that would jump Pittman way up yeah, like right with what, what I that would be awesome that's that's what I'm gonna be hoping for but uh, but who well, knows and um, well I want to say I think it's easy to make a direct correlation for expectation from him with Mike Williams uh, we'll say last sure. year because he's been banged up before that. But, I mean, it's just a big-body guy that gets downfield, gets open. I believe he had, like, 50 catches for 1,000 yards and a few touchdowns. So maybe he's more football-relevant than fantasy-relevant because I still think that's, like, wide receiver, like, 40. So, I mean, he can mm-hmm. play for you, but it's just you're not excited about playing him every week unless it's your, like, third or fourth flex spot. Yeah, right. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's go to the next one here. So, uh, Sigmund, you wrote a piece recently about Alexander Madison's expectation – if Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook pulled out, extends into the regular season. Uh, a couple questions for you. Number one, do you think it happens that he does hold out? And two, do you think he has any leverage after watching Melvin Gordon and Le'Veon Bell's scenarios play out? I mean, these two questions are interrelated. Um, I would say 80-90% they get something done before yeah. camp. Um, but 10 or 20% is still not insignificant. Uh and I believe so. He, I'll I'll put out there what's known, or at least what's been reported. Um, Courtney Cronin from ESPN put out there some good info that the Vikings' initial offer was under ten million dollars a year. At first, of course, Cook Camp was thinking McCaffrey got sixteen million a year, but I think they said how about fifteen million a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the report said that they would gladly accept thirteen million dollars a year. Isn't that right around what David Johnson? David Johnson, exactly, exactly. Um, and I, and this is a uh, Courtney also mentioned that the Vikings had done extensions on the eve of camp with four players in the past. I think like um, Xavier Rhodes, mm-hmm. uh, Stephon Diggs. I can't remember the others. So there's a history of Rick Spielman 
in these situations saying, okay, let's get something figured out. But there is the new CBA, which I believe they forfeit that accrued year. So he would just become a restricted free agent next year. Now, of course, keep in mind that if he does hold out into camp and then they get something done, or if he even holds out into the season and then they get something done, the team, you know, then that becomes null and void. It becomes moot. And I don't think you're going to see Dalvin Cook do a Le'Veon Bell and take this thing all the way to E and say, I would just rather not play for the Vikings another down than take what my salary is this year on a you know per game basis um so it's hard to say and i just had paul charging on my show this week who's you know minnesota uh radio uh very prominent and he said you know he doesn't really have a read on this right now he's not really hearing anything specifically but he, again he thought chances are it'll get done now does he have any leverage no except right. the, except this the vikings offense is built around alvin cook and yeah. Alexander Madison's a, a fine, you know, rugged runner with good footwork. He's an excellent fit for the wide zone running game. He's not Dalvin Cook. He's not close to Dalvin Cook. And the offense was so much better. Again, Courtney po- uh, posted numbers from ESPN Sports Information Stats about like the difference in Kirk Cousins' efficiency. Like his his his. Uh, completion percent went from like 71 to 66 between when cook was on the field and not on the field when cook was on the field his touchdown interception ratio was 15 to 1 when cook wasn't on the field it was 10 to 5 so i think they know that cook is the key to their offense this is like ezekiel elliott last year right whether it's true or not the cowboys saw elliott as a key to their offense i don't think the chargers saw gordon as a key to their offense um I don't think the Steelers saw Bell. I mean, the Steelers were plugging into Angela Williams, and he was putting up similar numbers to Bell, right? So I do think that Cook's leverage may well be and that he is indispensable for this offense, or at the very least, this offense is going to take a big step back. It isn't just a plug-and-play situation. Yeah, it makes, yeah. makes complete sense. That was, that was basically my argument uh, on our last week's show. And Christian, and the thing is, I, I, I'm not trying to call him out, but I think there are more people too than not that think that Madison is a fine replacement for Cook. I just, I don't believe that. Like you said, the yeah. Vikings offense is just built around Cook, and Dalvin Cook is just really, really good. I don't, yeah. I don't think, I don't think they're nearly where they want to be if Madison is the guy starting Week One in their backfield. Yeah. He's just well. He's not there yet, at least. I mean, I don't think he right. has that talent level, but who knows? At this and he's point. a he's a second right. He's a second year player, and I mean, I get that Cook hasn't been healthy for a full season, but still, like he, Cook just has that explosiveness. No, look, Madison he, was hurt. sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. Uh, Madison was hurt when they needed him last year, right? When yeah. Cook finally couldn't play, Madison wasn't even healthy. But then they got nothing right, so they were from the running back. Yeah, they were playing with. Uh, and then Mike we Boone. all told people to play Mike Boone in week sixteen. <laughs> I uh, remember. Forever. I did. I actually on started. my deathbed. I will. I will say I should have never done it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. <laughs> oh, and then they ended up. And then they ended up just throwing. And it then in week six, 17, he had like 130. Yep. Yeah, right. When nobody cares about it anymore, and that and that's that's the nature of this fantasy of this football. Stupid, stupid sport. Right. All right, Randy, go ahead with the next one. All right. Here. Well, we already kind of mentioned him last question, but. Uh, what is your view of the Broncos backfield situation this year? Like, cause we have Lindsay who is high end RB two. Is he going to be more relevant now because of Melvin Gordon coming in? Uh, how do you really see it playing out? Cause we've argued about it for like seven episodes, honestly. Oh, we have. 
No, it's a good one. It's a good one to dig into. I think folks are underrating Melvin Gordon right now. Um, I, I've been taking him in the third round and best ball drafts I've done just because mm. of running back scarcity. And I think that he, I think that his outlook isn't any different than it was when he was a chargers or it might even be better. Um, Pat Shermer is going to have a, a bigger role for running backs to be receivers than the previous Broncos offense. Philip Lindsay, whether it's just a natural skill thing, whether it's that wrist injury, I think a lot of people don't know how severe his wrist injury was at the end of his rookie year. It was it was a serious injury. And it was one where they thought he may not get like full range of motion back and things like that. I just mm-hmm. think Lindsay is not a natural receiving back. I mean, he yeah. is a smaller back. He is quick. He's a jitterbug in space and things like that. But I think that Lindsay let's say this is kind of a 60 40 65 35 split but in the passing game it's probably more like 80 20 so now you have gordon not having to divide those running back targets between him and eckler i think you have gordon still as the goal line back just like he was when he returned for the chargers also this is going to be i think a good offense right i mean or a better offense yeah, yeah. We're, we're weapons at least uh, <laughs> yeah, and you know they signed Graham Glasgow. They've got Mike Munchak coaching up that offensive line. Uh, they are doing a transition, you know, to the Pat Shermer offense. Um, but I think that Gordon in the third round as a running back one or running back two is a perfectly fine target. Now Lindsey, just because of talent, you can like to get a player of Lindsey's proven talent in the tenth round or later. I don't know exactly where he's going, but that's where I would start looking for him. It's still somebody that I'm going to add and say well gordon could get hurt or Lindsay could be so fresh on his eight or 12 carries that he has more chunk plays like he did in his rookie year um it's just he's we know he's good right like we should never discount in fantasy football drafts just knowing that someone's good and then we'll see how it all works out now mm-hmm. that's not necessarily as easy of an argument to make in the fourth or fifth round so i think it's fine to take both of them i don't know that Lindsay is going to have more than matchup flex value like if we think the broncos are going to win and roll then we're going to like trying to get Lindsay into our lineup somehow uh gordon has had missed game every running back is a danger of injury and we know Lindsay's good and look Lindsay, his whole career is overcoming doubters right yeah. like at every stop of his career it's like yeah, they didn't Andre, think i could do this they didn't Andre, think i could do this so right. for him to have another chapter of oh now they don't think i can be better than melvin gordon i'll have to show him i'm better than melvin gordon so i'm fine with that so I think they both can outperform their draft position. Do you see it as a handcuff scenario? Like, are you targeting that as like a handcuff with Lindsay, or is it more of kind of if you're going to do that, you're going to play Lindsay more often than not as a flex? Yeah, I mean, he could have more value than say um, Alexander Madison or Latavius Murray has. Those are your other two like true classic handcuffs, or Trace Edmonds. I think. What about Tony Pollard? Same thing. Tony Pollard, right? Uh, I mean. Now, Pollard, I'll say this, it was, as a side conversation, now we're getting into like the true handcuffs. Pollard is the one that if the starter goes down, now granted, he's playing behind the most durable starter. Right. He's the one that could win your league. right? Yeah. Like, I'd be most excited about Tony Pollard being a starter. Now, Latavius Murray should be the answer, but if the Saints keep Ty Montgomery, then it's a, more of a split than last year. Yeah, when, right. When Kamara was out, we saw Murray handle everything, and Murray was fantastic. Um so, yeah, it's not a true handcuff situation because Lindsay can have some standalone value. Um, and then again, too, I think if Gordon went down, they might have a different running back handle some of the passing down work where we might look at someone like Tony Pollard as an every down back. Um, so you know, handcuffs, I'll just say this about handcuffs, too. 
I do think that, for instance, handcuffing, this might be tough now with the holdout. Let's just say the holdout is is taken care of. Yeah, right, yeah. Cook, cook gets signed, all right? If you can get Alexander Madison in the 11th or 12th round, and that's protecting your investment of taking Cook with the 4th or 5th or 6th pick and doing the best you can to lock up that Vikings running game. And that's mm-hmm. a more of a classic handcuff situation where you're offsetting at the price of a you know double-digit round pick. You're offsetting the risk. Like There's a reason that Cook is 5th, 6th, or 7th instead of 2nd, 3rd, or 4th. It's his injury history. Now you have this holdout situation. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that those are the situations where it makes sense to handcuff. Otherwise, I think you're almost ensuring that one of your picks is going to miss, right? Either Madison's right. not going to be worth anything or Cook's going to be worth less than a first-round pick. So I'm fine with – I don't think you have to handcuff Pollard to Elliott. I don't think you have to handcuff Murray to Kamara. I think taking one of those upside guys – in the second half of your draft or more than one is a good idea, but you should calculate it based on the likelihood of that player seeing the field, how good mm-hmm. that player is, how good the offense is. So maybe someone like Chase Edmonds would take precedence because we don't know that Kenny yeah. Drake could hold up for a whole year. He, as a starter. He's never done it. And I saw, yeah. I saw some stuff going around today that he, that Drake's never done it before. And right. And Chase Edmonds isn't getting nearly enough love as a handcuff to the point of Pollard or Madison, but uh, he, uh, Edmonds could be a league winner. If, Yes, if, if, if Drake goes down, he almost was last year. <laughs> right, hamstring. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get to uh, one more question. I know Sigmund. I know you got to run here. So there, we have a running debate on this podcast. It's and it's between it's been between Christian and Randy. I kind of stay out of it for the most part, but um, Christian seems to think Christian continues to bring up about that Matthew Stafford's 16 game pace in 2019 made him a. He was on a, quote, elite pace. Randy, am I wording that right? You're wording it perfectly. Okay. So <laughs> do you think his hot start last year was something that you can build on for 2020 for Matthew Stafford? Or, and and do, you, do you expect to see something like that again with, they, with what seems like a healthy Matt Stafford for 2020? Or do you think he's going to regress kind of more towards the meet? Yeah, I think uh, you can count on – Look, and we have to mention Daryl Bevel here. I think you can count on Stafford to outproduce his ADP. So the easiest actionable answer in fantasy football is he should be going higher in drafts. Um, and I, he was top five, I think around five or six. And it also comes down to uh, your scoring system, right? So I think in leagues that pump up passing yards a little more, passing touchdowns a little bit more, long touchdown bonuses, thank you, Kenny Galladay, you know, <sighs> the, the, this gives Stafford a bump. Um, I'm also looking at schedule, right? So he does start out with Chicago, but then Green Bay and Arizona, uh, and then New Orleans, and then after the bye, Jacksonville, Atlanta. So this is not an imposing schedule. I would be fine in most leagues going in as Matthew Stafford as my quarterback one, waiting long at quarterback, and then maybe taking an upside pick as my number two, just in case like Teddy Bridgewater or Joe Burrow or someone like that. Um mm-hmm. And then we'll see. The back thing is a little bit. I mean, it just gives you pause, right? Yeah. yeah. On, it gives you a year and a half. Two you years. thought it was no big deal. Go ahead. I was going. That was that's what I was saying. We're we're going on two years of back problems now. Right. And it's just a little ominous that he didn't think it was a big deal, and then all of a sudden he was done for the year. And they shut him down, and he has to get surgery on it. Right. Right. It, so, you know, it just gives you pause, but. I'm I'm totally fine with Matthew Stafford where he's at, and I think that he's absolutely underappreciated, whether it's fantasy or people in Detroit or if football fans in general. Um, 
And I think as long as he, Marvin Jones is on the field, uh, then Jones and Galladay, and we'll see about TJ Hawkinson, because now we see that Hawkinson... Yeah, they're saying that he's not 100% yet either. His ankle was more serious than expected. So mm-hmm. that's something to consider. But look, this team, the other thing here, if you want to fade Stafford, is that the team spent a second-round pick on DeAndre Swift. They want to run the ball. They want to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense has to be better for them to be able to do that, though. So, you know, all those plans could go by the wayside if the defense gets them into higher scoring games. Um, but I, I, absolutely, Stafford was producing, I think, no matter the scoring system, at a top five, top six clip. Um, and we can look back at last year, and it wasn't necessarily like a lot of those games were fraudulent. You know, um, he did have a three touchdown game against Kansas City. He had a four touchdown game against Minnesota, you know, um, and then of course the Giants and sorry the Raiders. That was his, his biggest yeah. game, one hundred yard passing I, I understand game. What that team is, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so you know, but that's what you want to see. Like if you face a weaker pass defense, then you pile up the yards and pile up the touchdowns, just like he did. So yeah, I, I'm confident that Matthew Stafford is going to make people happy taking him where he's going as long as this back issue doesn't come up again. Right. No, absolutely. And Randy, does that satisfy, does that satisfy your, your argument here? That's my argument. You guys give me a good idea. Go ahead. I think he's a a fantastic quarterback. Always is for fantasy. Always outproduces where he's drafted. It's it's always that elite word though. That whenever someone uses that, that word elite, that's when you know that that's when you know that there's going to be some argument that's going to, it's going to yeah, come up exactly. here. It happens. But, uh, but so, Sigmund, we know you got to run here. Do you have anything uh, before you go? Do you have anything for footballguys.com that's going to be coming in the coming weeks that you want people to take note of or uh, any projects or anything you guys are working yeah. on? Actually, I'm getting ready for a pros versus Joe's dynasty uh, startup draft in July. So I'm actually going to try to put together some – it's a super flex league. So I'm going to try Ooh. to put together some super flex – dynasty rankings that i will take those as soon as you let me know when you bring those out because all three of us will definitely take a look at those because i'm getting into more uh super i'm getting into more dynasty startups this year so i will i am all over oh yeah and superflex is great because it's challenging because yeah. of the, the different skews. This also is FFPC format, so tight ends are mm-hmm. uh, tight end premium. So it skews positional value. Um, football guys, uh, early bird subscription expires, uh, rates expire on Father's Day. Yeah. So check that out. We always have money back guarantee, etc. And if you don't know football guys, just we're all obsessive, just like Sean and Randy and Christian. And y'all give me an idea that maybe I can like add to my business card is that i'll just come in and do dispute resolution right? <laughs> so people totally, yeah, on right. a podcast are arguing i'll come on the show and i'll settle it i'll say you know randy's right yeah. i've issued my ruling and then move on to the next show and bring bring peace throughout so the off the air we're gonna need your personal phone number just so <laughs> sure. we can just yeah bring you back whenever because there are we have a ton of these because there's three of us we're all kind of idiots we're all stubborn so absolutely no we'll we'll pay you we'll do whatever we need but yeah that's right. And the ruling is binding. No yeah. appeals. Oh, yeah. So we can't exactly. So once once it, once Sigmund declares who's yep. right, that's that's the end of it. So perfect. But um, awesome. So uh, we really appreciate it. Um, we we're, we love to have you on. I know I, I'm sure Christian would have loved to have it too. But he's he's off in his his big boy job, and you know Randy and I are have some time to do this. But Sigmund, we appreciate it. Um, Randy, you got anything? No, just appreciate having you on. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Great I pleasure, guys. This is fun. 
And I think it just, you know, everywhere around our fantasy football world, we're all enjoying each other's company, keeping each other's company with our live minds and our disputes to be resolved. Welcome back to the cut. Uh, so there it is. That was our interview with Sigmund Bloom. We really appreciated him having him on. It was great for Randy and I to talk to him. The dude is unbelievably knowledgeable in his stuff. It was awesome. Um, I had fun. And hey, we said we made him feel better. He said he felt better than he did 45 minutes before that, right, Randy? So like, we we could like that. How that made me feel good because like we we helped the dude, we helped him with his day. But I mean, he's he's really cool. Like Football Guys is a site that I always try to use. I download their Draft Dominator app every year for my redraft stuff. It's nuts. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever used it, but it's awesome. Um, but Football Guys, like that's all. This is all they do. Like they're all fantasy football. And uh, maybe at some point that's what we're going to do. But it was really cool just getting this off to him, not only about where he started, what he did, but actually get into the like nitty gritty of fancy football stuff. It was great. So uh, if, if Sigmund, if you listen, thank you, man. And we hope to have you on again. I know Christian was kind of disappointed that he's going to be on with you, but you know, Christian has a big boy job. Yeah. Mark okay. I'd, I'd rather be doing what Sigmund does. So hopefully someday right. share this episode with your friends. So I can <laughs> All right. So let's get into part two of our running back rankings. So uh, we did one through 12 uh, last week. So go back and listen to that. We did great again. We're always great. So uh, <laughs> your ears will love it. Um, so this one, we're going to do a little different. Um, we're not going to run through 13 through 24 like we did the one through 12 for quarterbacks and running backs. Um, but we just have some notables of guys that are ranked maybe higher than you would expect or lower than you would expect. And we'll kind of talk about why, like, uh, like we said, like we've talked about before, like this is our input. This is what we projected them out as. So we'll kind of talk about why they are where they are. So um, you guys want to just start here with uh, number uh, 19 on that their uh, list. No, run, run through up to him, and then we'll okay. talk. That's fine. So the way, so here's our, um, so number 12 was, you guys remember who number 12 stopped at? Oh, hell, bro. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. <laughs> yeah, That's right. It was, it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, so uh, we have Kenyon Drake coming in at 13, Miles Sanders at 14, Le'Veon Bell, Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, and Jonathan Taylor are uh, 13 through 18. So Jonathan Taylor, another rookie running back that we have as a RB2, which brings us to RB19, and it's James White. Now, this is kind of surprising when you see that his counterpart, Sony Michelle, is lower on our list. I did this, and the reason I did this, uh, I projected him at 344 yards on 81 carries, but finding the end zone three times, and then just the reception total, 74 receptions, 678 yards, four touchdowns for a total of 214 fantasy points. Like, I don't, like, I, these, that, maybe that fancy, that total number seems high, but it's like, how can Jared Stidham not want to use him as a safety net? Well, yeah. And especially with two rookie tight ends and uh, who, Matt Lacoste, is he the other tight end on the roster right now? Yep. So, I mean, James White is going to get the ball because he's going to be working in the same space as those guys, and he's definitely much better. And honestly, feeding James White the ball gives them the best chance to win. They're not super dynamic on the outsides. Uh, obviously, they still have Edelman in the slot, but, I mean, what we don't know what Stidham's going to be, and if 
if James White emerges as this type of person, I could actually see the Patriots being fairly good. And quite frankly, James White has shown that he can be this just with a different quarterback. Exactly. And I believe last year he finished his RB18 in PPR as well. Uh, so this was, I believe, the same passing work as last year with like barely any uptick in rushing. And that's more of a saying that uh, Burkhead's not going to be as heavily involved. And Oh, that guy. Everything. So, that uh, Rex yeah. Burkhead and Brandon Bolden, man, there's a special place in hell for both of them. <laughs> well, they won't be a huge factor. Hopefully, it'll be Harris and White. I think. I think this just goes to say that I put too much, like I have too much stock in the Patriots running backs every year, and that's my own fault because it's Plus, just such a shit show every season. If, and if like we know how Christian feels about Sonny Michelle. If there was one I had to put a flag in the ground on, it'd be James White, though. And I think RB nineteen is a great finish for him because I, the I, floor is there with him, whereas you don't know what Michelle's floor is, and you really don't know what Damian Harris is. It's 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 honestly possible that. Sony Michelle has three yards per carry three weeks into the year, and, and Bill just says, fuck it. Let's roll out Damian Harris. We drafted him, too. Let's see what we got. Very well could happen. Which would make Probably will happen. Actually, you know what? I don't have as many shares of Sony Michelle anymore. I traded him in our one dynasty league. I haven't really got him anywhere else, so I'm okay with that. Sony Michelle has shown amazing flashes. That's what's so nuts. It's like Very he, Mitch Trubisky-esque. Well, <laughs> I guess. But it's like, there's except been, yeah, except he did good in the playoffs. Ooh, God. sorry, Bears fans. R.I.P. That kicker, Cody Parkey. Cody Parkey. Yeah. Wide lucky. Oh man. Dark. All right. All right. So, um, yeah, you brought it upon her. I know it's my fault. It's, all right. it's, it's all, it seems to always be your fault. <laughs> all right. So let's move on. Um, so number twenty on our list is Mark Ingram. Uh, number 21 is Melvin Gordon. Uh, and then the next guy we'll talk about is number 22. And I'm going to give this one all to Christian. Uh, I'll give his stats, and then Christian can just talk as much as he wants. It's Ronald Jones, 814 yards on 192 carries with seven touchdowns. We also have him catching the ball 39 times for 287 and three for a total score of 205 fantasy points. Christian, all you, buddy. All right. I'm I'm so prepped for this. I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. I didn't even stat out Ronald Jones. Um, That was actually Brandon. But I am obviously the biggest Ronald Jones fan on this podcast. I think that Keyshawn Vaughn is a big trap because Ronald Jones finished as RB25 last year while playing only 36% of snaps. And you have to assume that with Arians' history with running backs and with young running backs and with running backs that are in the middle of a pandemic and don't know what the hell to do on an NFL field, you have to assume that Ronald Jones is going to play slightly more than 36% of snaps. Even if that number comes up to 50, that gives Ronald Jones an opportunity to be really dynamic. And I mean, being on the field more, he would have been a top 20 running back last year. Um, I do think that even if he doesn't get better in the passing game, he's going to be on the field in some capacity because you know, I know I, I I hesitate to compare this offense to what the Patriots did, but we know Tom Brady's tendencies, and Tom Brady's tendencies were, I'm going to throw the ball to my pass-catching running back, but that uh, ground-and-pound guy, well, that's the thing. Dari Agumbawale, well, I, I love Agumbawale this year, too, 
I guess like you guys joke that I do hate Keyshawn Vaughn, and I guess I do. Like I think Ronald Jones and Agumba Wale are going to be on the field a lot more, um, and Jones is going to get the touchdowns, and that's where because this this offense is going to be good and they're not going to turn the ball over as much. I think the touchdown opportunity for Ronald Jones is there. I just traded for him in Dynasty. I'm pumped. I actually had to give up a lot. I cried a little after the trade, but um, had to get rid of my boy Tyrod. But yeah, Ronald Jones, love it. RB22 seems low. Well, Let's go. And the reason it's highlighted is because he did finish RB25 last year in PPR formats, uh, but consensus has him closer to RB30. So we're a little bit higher on him. I do agree with everything you said. The only thing is Arians wants a pass-blocking running back, and that is not Ronald Jones. Yeah, and we, that's we, fair. That was why he was only on the field 36% of the time. It's, it's fair. But <laughs> I, I think and, if, he was Vaughn is good. if he was less talented, it would only been about 25% of the time. But so with that, do you think that Arians is running an identical offense to last year? No, there'll be some tweaking. Uh, and obviously, a quarterback change makes you tweak the offense. Yeah. So if that's the case, like, yes, of course, you want to keep Brady on his feet. But I also think that the running backs are going to run more routes than they did last year. So I just don't know if it's Jones, who is nowhere near a proficient pass catcher. See, that's where if, if that's the case. Yeah, I think it does kind of favor one to that yeah. extent. But RB22 is definitely in the range. I do think it's closer to the high side for him. But I can see why he finishes here with the stats. They're not outrageous stats. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, do we want to talk after about uh, this uh, number 25 here? I know we kind of we talked about him a little bit already. But uh, we had Raheem Mostert coming in at number 24. Uh, Oh, I I did skip one. I did skip Mr. Gurley. So we will talk about Mr. Gurley. Um, He comes in actually right after Ronald Jones at number 23. Uh, 201 fantasy points, 927 yards on 225 carries with six touchdowns, 34 catches, 187 yards and four touchdowns. He's in a new place. It's a bad team. They're going to be behind in a lot of games. What's his ceiling? So. His ceiling is his absolute ceiling this year with good touchdown luck would be back end RB1 to me. The Falcons use their running backs a lot. Uh, They don't really have anyone else besides him to really be the workhorse or even take touches to a really good extent. Um, I think I'm pretty sure he had 10 touchdowns last year, so this is four less on a new team. And you just said it's a bad team. So I think this passing work is going to be lower. I think what is statted out is lower than what he actually will get. So that's why, to me, that's why I highlighted him. I think he's going to finish more. I think he's going to finish in the teens. Yeah. I I tend to kind of agree. I also think that his absolute ceiling is a back-end one. But that would mean that the Falcons are up in games a lot and they're getting to the goal line. And I think they can get to the goal line. And I don't necessarily think that Gurley's touchdowns stay that low. But I also don't think that the Falcons are winning many games. The only argument I have against myself here is that the Falcons don't have a pass-catching running back. Todd Gurley is it. Um, So he's going to be on the field no matter what. Ian Smith sucks. 
Yeah, I mean, and Brian Hill. Brian Hill. They, they, well, and they could have improved in the offseason. We'll see. But I didn't see a lot that I enjoyed last year from them. So we'll see. <laughs> the way you worded that was so funny. Yeah, I did like that. I didn't, I didn't enjoy what I saw. What you saw from Brian Hill and Edith Smith. I mean, no. they were awful. They watch, didn't watch, watch Quadri Olsen be that starting running back in two years. I mean, good for him. I hope he is. Screw it. That dude was really good in college, too. But, yeah, I I think this is probably, like, the average to floor of what he should finish. But, again, he could miss games, and this could be high. So, we'll see. Well, I don't think there's a question of could. I think there's a question of how many. Well, Um, I mean, did he really sit out last year besides the Rams making him? Well, but but who knows why they made him? Because they did. Because they were scared. And then well, they why, turned why does arthritis just go away, Randy? Well, they turned on the are Jets. You, are you a doctor? And he had 10 touchdowns rushing the ball. Are you yeah. a doctor? <laughs> Far from it. Yeah, uh, that's what I thought, Randy. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> um, all right. So now uh, Raheem Moser comes in at number 24. And number 25 is the aforementioned Sony Michelle. Uh, do we want to keep going here? Or do we want to touch on this guy too? Why don't you touch bases on him quick? Okay. Yeah. Touch uh, one base or multiple bases. How many bases oh, do you think? Home you run, need? dude. I, I see. I could have made. I could have made touch a point. Oh yeah. Well, I'm not going to make the joke. Um. So we. I had him at uh 1,048 yards on 278 rushes, 10 touchdowns, 18 catches for 126 yards, and one touchdown to come in at just under 200 fantasy points at 199. Now, the, it, first of all, it shows that he's not going to be used in the passing game at all because I don't see why that changes. Second of all, this may sound high. This may be on the high side for him, but I just think they're going to try to get the ball out of Sidham's hands a lot more than obviously they would with Brady. And that's why, and they're not, so James White's not going to be the guy running between the tackles. If they're yep. gonna do it, first they're gonna give the shot to Sony Michelle. And if he can if he can hold if he can like stay at least decent, then he's gonna have the job the entire year. So that's why I have like 270 rushes for Michelle is is high. But I think he's going to improve what he did last year. And I think they're going to want to run the ball a little bit more because who like like we talked about before, we don't know what we get out of Stidham yet. And I I just don't see like Bill's not dumb. I don't see him just constantly putting the game in Stidham's hands. I think he's going to want to run the ball first. Yeah, I agree. And you have, I believe, like a 30-touch increase uh, for carries and only a 100-yard increase from last year. So that's very easily done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, because he's shit. He's, <laughs> I, I think he had like a 3.78 yard per carry last year. If he can bring that back to four. I think he had like a 4.245 somewhere in there for his rookie year. We can get more yeah. towards that again with hopefully a healthier offensive line. Uh, definitely a worse team, though, so we'll see. Plus, I do think he's going to get goal line work, too. Again, I don't think yes. it's white. And well, it's, it's been Burkhead a lot, too. Yeah, I was getting there, and the name just makes me mad. <laughs> well, right. and, and the main reason besides like us maybe think he's slightly high is I think consensus he's closer to RB like 37, 40. Like yeah, and if I could if high. I could scoop him up as a back end RB three or an RB four, like 
Yeah. I he's got the ability to become an RB two by the end of the year. So like yeah. I'm fine with that. Which I believe I did on our new dynasty league. I think I drafted it as my RB four or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah, because yeah, I took because I was going to take him, but I took Darius Geis instead, and then yeah. you got him in that same round. Yep, yep. Christian, anything to add, buddy? No. Fuck him. He's garbage. Um but right. also I would take him as my RB four. <laughs> <laughs> he sucks, but I'd still drift. Yeah. All right. I wouldn't like so, <laughs> Not all right, one so moving on. <laughs> moving on. Uh, we have a third rookie come in at number 26, DeAndre Swift. Uh, David Montgomery at 27. Devin Singletary at 28. Uh, James Conner at 29. And then a guy who I think is due for a bounce back season, David Johnson at 30. We have him. You know what? I've to, I'll talk about David Johnson more, I think, as the season gets closer because I'm higher on him than you guys are. Um, so let's move on to the other, the next two that we have highlighted because I think this is a pretty good debate between them okay. because they're kind of in the same spots. I just so, want, The only reason I highlight David Johnson is we are low on him, basically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And there are there are articles out there saying that they think that that Johnson is a bounce back candidate. And I'm not just saying him. I'm not just saying that because I have him in our original dynasty league. But even. from what I've seen, it's not our rushing totals are fine or even higher. That's they the reception. Think, they think he's getting like 60 receptions where we don't. Yeah, yeah right. So uh, we'll talk about him, I'm sure, as it gets closer to the season. So let's move on to uh, so number 31, we have Darius Geis. Number 32, Tariq Cohen, who seems to, like, you always forget about that name, but he's always on these. Like, he always finishes, like, somewhere around here as, like, a top end RB3 because like he gets he'll get like eight catches a game and no one will even remember that he got eight catches and those eight catches will end up at like 75 yards and that's 15 points every week. Yep. He finished as an RB1 like two years ago. Yeah. That's, the year no. Trubisky was good. Um that was with that was and that was with Jordan Howard too. Yes, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so he comes in at 32. You see Cam Akers coming at 33. I think part of this is because we don't know who's going to break camp, whether it's Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, or Cam Akers. We, I'm sure we can all probably agree that Akers is eventually going to get the job, but we don't think it's going to be right away. Well, the thing is, like, their line and secondary to an extent and D-line and linebackers all were in huge need of getting draft picks there to help out, and they drafted him in the second round instead. So they clearly valued yeah, they need an offensive line help. They need a second area. They draw third. I I think he I think he gets like so he gets hundred or hundred seventy seven rushes. I think the other two split close to two hundred between the two. You and did so this that, one right? Yes, mm-hmm. it's between like one sixty to two hundred rushes for the other two running backs in this backfield. Okay. Yeah. All right, so yeah, so that makes sense. So let's move on and talk about these next two guys. So coming in at thirty four is Christians. Love affair, carry on Johnson and number 35, Kareem Hunt. So we kind of group these together for two reasons. One is they both have another guy that a lot of people are worried about. And number two is we had, we did not see them for a full season last year in these systems. So we have no idea what to expect in 2020. So carry on Johnson, uh, 173 fantasy points, 925 yards on 248 carries with seven touchdowns. Uh, 18 catches for 212 and one uh, receiving. That number, uh, 
the the yardage seems high. If that's what he gets, I would be ecstatic. Well, <laughs> that's why it's highlighted. Because uh, yeah. he's, he's RB34 for us. And most places he's going RB like 49, 50. Um, yeah, I think that's wild. So they they have a huge split towards Swift. I think that's a that's on the. I think that's definitely low though. Well, on in relation, we have Swift getting 180 rushes for almost 700 yards and two touchdowns, 51 receptions, 526 and three touchdowns through the air. So I think that's obviously a pure split towards Swift being the receiving back, which he is a pure receiver, so that makes a ton of sense. Uh, but still getting a solid amount of rushes on a team that clearly wants to run the ball. So I, I like it. I mean, again, like I said, it could be slightly high. Maybe the touchdowns are too high, but like they're a pretty decent offense. So they should be getting towards the goal line. They did last year. So, yeah. I well, think the have- problem that we have too is because of the way we did things, like carry on would be much lower if you guys had had your input on carry on, maybe not Sean, but um, yeah, I think he'd be slightly lower because I do believe that the Lions are going to be good, which means they're going to give the ball to carry on. And I mean, they'll give the ball to Swift as well, but I think carry on's the leading rusher um, I, heading in. Like you, you have to I, assume that Swift helps carry on. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have him getting what? 200 more rushing yards. Like a yeah. little over. I don't, I don't understand. I think about 60 more carries. So I that sounds about right because uh, carry-on's kind of a ground and pound that can break it, but Swift will break almost every play. So yeah, yeah. it's up to me. And um, <laughs> so, again, we the next guy on the list is Kareem Hunt at 35. And we talk about these two guys together is because they are coming into a system that, A, they haven't played in, but you know what? Before we go any further, like we have the head coach of the Detroit Lions here. Mr. Patricia, what are you going to do with these running backs? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, uh, clearly, Carrion and Swift will both get running, rushing touches, and Carrion can't stay on the field, so I'm not throwing to him, too. Let's go to Swift. All right, Swift. folks, you heard it here first. Swift They're going well. to use... This is going to be a two-back system. You heard it from the man himself, Matt Patricia. Swift is 100% one of the best pass-catching running backs I've ever watched a lot of tape on, at least, or watched games on. Yeah. So now we can move on to 35, Kareem Hunt. And obviously, the question behind it is, what do the Browns do with a full season of Kareem Hunt and a full season of Nick Chubb and a new offense, new offensive coordinator, new head coach? Like, there is a lot of question marks. But... You cannot hide the talent of both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Obviously, this is a good problem to have. Um, Kareem Hunt finishes at 557 rushing yards on 127 touches, or 127 carries, six touchdowns. We also have him at 39 catches for 300 yards and two touchdowns. The problem, I think, with Hunt also, so we have him coming in at 166 points, is you're not lining him up in the slot when you have Jarvis Landry already. I think he would be really good in the slot, but you're not taking Landry out of there and putting Hunt in. Not in 12 personnel or anything like that, though. No. There's a well, chance you're spread out really wide, but... Yeah, so the, the thing that concerns me about Kareem is they are going to run a lot of 12 personnel, and 12 personnel 
means that it's either Chubb or Hunt, and I'm yeah, picking Chubb. Right, and I'm picking Chubb probably 99% of the time because he might be the best pure runner in the NFL outside of maybe Derrick Henry. Um, it, I mean, Chubb averaged five yards a carry the last two years, and this system is literally perfect for him. So I don't understand like how Kareem's going to get on the field. I'm sure they're going to manufacture some touches for him, and that's why he lands here but that's also why he doesn't land at RB24, I think. Yeah, and we're lower on him than a lot of people. I, I think he was around 27 or 28 consensus. Yeah. And there's there's a scenario, too, where the Browns office just freaking explodes, and both of those guys, like, like Chubb is a mid-tier running back one because he has 1,000 yards, 11 touchdowns, but Hunt gets a ton of passing work, and the Browns, Finish eleven and five, ten and six, and they're scoring at will. And Green Hunt's like RB eighteen. Yeah. Well, and then we woke up. Yeah, exactly. And I, I what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, there's a scenario where I can see that happening. I yeah, slightly. I, I believe uh, Chubb was set out for like fourteen hundred or so yards. So we have the rush, rushing for over two thousand yards between the two. I don't think it's going to be more like a thousand, a thousand, like. Like you said, Chubb's clearly going to get the running back, like, rushing workload because that's what he's built for. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think I think people are a little high on Kareem. I know how good he is, but I also know that Stefanski went with Dalvin Cook despite having a lot of capable guys to spell him last year because Dalvin Cook is good and Nick Chubb is also good, so. Yeah, but I don't think you can put Kareem Hunt in the same conversation with Alexander Mans. No, but and that's why I think Kareem's a little higher, especially than Alexander Madison on here and what Madison finished last year. Yeah, it's for him to get higher. He's not going to get much more rushing work than this. He would just have to get like the fifty, sixty receptions, which I'm not sure is possible with two. Stud and let's be honest, diva receivers. Uh, you just have the highest paid tight end now. I would, I would almost argue that Landry is not as, uh, not as much. He, he talks a lot. I love Landry. Oh, oh, oh he a hundred percent talks a lot. I Christian and I got into an argument during that Bills game last year that I, I said that Landry cost them a point, which, which came back to matter down the stretch. That yeah. when he got, when he got flagged for the, uh, uh, um. And uh, the unfortunate contact after the touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, and that's, and with that being said, I absolutely love all these Browns players. So I'm just trying to be objective. You know what's going to be funny is like, do you think about the Browns' other signing of Austin Hooper? Like, I haven't heard Hooper say two words in his entire NFL career. Like, (laughs) it's the exact opposite of what Beckham and Landry are going to be. Well, it means he puts him in the same room as Chubb then. And True. yeah, because Chubb says nothing. He just deadlifts 800 pounds or whatever that video was. Nuts. You don't need to talk. And you know what? We could use that this year after dealing with the last year. The, oh my God. I don't even, yeah, I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> All right. Um, Chubb, go ahead and finish this off here, though. But um, yeah, so we, uh, so the last one, you guys did this just to spite me, you assholes. I, neither of uh, us. I know, but just the fact that he ends up here. It's, it's Duke Johnson finishing his RB thirty six in our rankings. And uh I'm 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 I hate it. 
Um, so some guys that we left out is Christian's boy, Philip Lindsay. Uh, he finishes RB 38. Both Miami running backs with Jordan Howard and Matt Breida as RB 42 and RB 44. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea what the hell is going to happen there because not only is, uh, not only is they signed Jordan Howard, but traded for Matt Breida. Who knows when the quarterback change is going to happen. It's going to happen at some point. So I have no idea what to think. I mean, I'm scooping up shares of both of those guys just because we don't know. Um, uh, if I remember right, you had them as basically a complete 50-50 split on everything. And I had, but and the only thing I had different was Jordan Howard had a couple more touchdowns because I think Jordan Howard gets goal line work where Matt Breida, I think, is a little small for that. Yeah, and Breida gets the reception work. Uh, the team. Right. Yeah, and you're a small fucking running back. Hate. <laughs> Oh, dude! Hey, Sigmund agreed with me. That's all I'm gonna say. Whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I do think one of those two ends up finishing in our top three RB thing, but I agree it's hard to pick out at this point. So, yeah. And then Keyshawn Vaughn came in at RB thirty nine. Yeah, too much to Christian's. Uh, actually, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, you're probably happy about that. In Dynasty, though, I do think that Vaughn is a... Like, I I think that's where we differ, is that I think Vaughn is a big Dynasty. Like, I think he's a important Dynasty piece. Hang on. Well, hang on one second. Oh, God. One second. Okay, so Keyshawn Vaughn's older than Ronald Jones. That's all I'm saying. Yes, but he was also drafted by the Tampa Bay. Yeah. By the regime. So was I was just going to say, so was Ronald Jones, dude. <laughs> but he wasn't drafted by that regime. Yes. Suck it. Well, you had to correct yourself because he was also drafted by Tampa Bay. But, but I, I rather, thank you for that. Well, I think a 22 year old running back that has two years of experience, um, I think he'll be able to find a, a place, even if it's not Tampa after his rookie contract. And and I I probably agree with you, but I'm saying that in an offense like that, if Vaughn becomes the guy there, I think that's very important and because we haven't seen that yet. Well, and there's an argument that he becomes the guy when Brady is retired. So, right. plus think about how good David Johnson was when David Johnson was younger in Bruce Arians' offense when it was just him. Neither, yeah. neither of these guys play like David Johnson, though. Sure, sure. but like I'm just saying that it. it's not like, like no, get out of here, you suck. Yo, I have shares of him too. Let's go. <laughs> All right, so that's it for our um, our running backs. Um, do you guys have any other one of these guys that you want to touch on? I think. No. If I had to pick one other guy, I think Darius Geist definitely has a possibility to finish higher because if he can stay healthy and stay on the field, I think he's very, very good. And I think these numbers are a lot higher. Well, and and he finished where he did because he does have the injury concerns. So we have Adrian Peterson worked in a good amount. Yes. Yeah. But no. again, I think eventually the old man has to has to fall by the wayside at some point, and Darius Geist could be the guy. I know they have Peyton Barber, but uh, oh, God, I, I hate that name. <laughs> Me too. It's, it's just like it's just like it's it's just like fantasy death. Like it's like when you hear the name Peyton Barber, it's fantasy death. <laughs> um, one other guy that I just want to mention could be a lot lower is Mark Ingram. Um, depending oh. on well, depending on what JK does, I mean. Someone mentioned, I think it might have been the Fantasy Pros guys, mentioned that it could be a Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb situation because J.K. is that good. And I don't disagree. Um, 
but Mark Ingram's also a lot better than Carlos Hyde. So yeah, he's better than Carlos Hyde was at that point. Mark Ingram Remember last year when Carlos Hyde was a thing. Last year. Yeah. Remember I last mean, year when Carlos Hyde was kind of a thing in Texas. He was yeah, he was good. And, and now he's the third running back in the Seattle team. Exactly. Well, second for a little while. Yeah. All right, Christian, you had one more thing to talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, Before we get out of here, um, so we actually have a new affiliate sponsor, and it's Red Zone Draft Boards. If you guys are having live drafts with all your buddies, this is the place to go. Um, The link is in our description. Guys, like, you can't get a better value. You get a ton of shit. The draft board is way better than anything you're going to get from fucking Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, I know that in all of our live drafts, I am definitely – hitting up red zone draft boards and getting this package. Um, It's some awesome stuff. I actually haven't ordered one yet because we're not quite to redraft, but if you guys are ahead of the game, hit that, that link, you'll actually get $10 off uh, by using the link in our bio. Really cool stuff. We're excited to be uh, affiliated with them. This dude's hating on Buffalo Wilders draft boards. I've had one of those for like the last eight years. Well, not anymore. You just got to, right. Yeah, got to upgrade, dude. Yeah. All right. So uh, that'll do it. Um, and there's still some time to enter our listener league contest or uh, listener league. Uh, I I don't want to call it a contest. Is it a contest? It's, it's, I, I guess contest is the right word. But uh, go go on our Twitter page. Uh, find the requirements because I still don't know them. But find our requirements. Go do them. And then we'll that'll get you in get, um, to uh, for us. We'll eventually we're gonna pick these in July, but uh, you got some time to go do it. Uh, other than that, I don't know. You guys got anything else? No. Follow us at the cut off of that, that. That's it. I didn't say no. Randy did in case someone got confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, let's get the hell out of here. For Randy Hall, Christian Williams, I'm Sean Ward. We'll talk to you guys next week. We are.